1: University Press Books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network.
0: Welcome to New Books Network. I'm your host today, Laura Goldberg on the Food Channel. You might know me from my own blog, Vittles Vamp. Uh, But I'm here today very, very excited to have Ryan Mitchell, who is the co-author of Ed Mitchell's Barbecue, a book that is going to be released on June 6th. And uh, it's an incredibly impressive piece of work you and your father have put together. I know you have another co-author as well. But, Ryan, I, I, I just need to know, like, what, what inspired you guys to write this book? Uh, you Your father's been a legend for a long time, and you joined him at his side. But what, what prompted you guys writing this book, and what was that journey?
1: Man, um, well, thank you for having me uh, again. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of, uh, I kind of realized uh, that you know we had all of these accomplishments and we were making our way through this industry, and you know I knew at some point you know our story was going to need to be told from from our voice, from our vantage point, and uh, you know my father turned seventy six this year, and so um, you know I really kind of you know we felt the time was was you know almost now or never. You know the world was in need right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, you know, we were given the opportunity to kind of, you know, press, you know, press play on, um, on some things as regards to publishing. And so, um, we wanted to get the story out while it could still be appreciated, you know, for, for what it really is and give it in our own words. We signed this deal in 2016 and at that particular moment. Uh, The way in which it was presented to me was we were going to be able to be the first African-American pitmasters to write a cookbook uh, as authors, you know, from their own story. And I thought that was a very unique, uh, you know, a unique opportunity to kind of write history and make history at the same time. And so we just kept, you know, moving forward with with doing that, you know, and seeing what that process was like and as it evolved to, you know, Way way beyond you know just some little essays and you know stuff that I was going to write down it it turned into a full you know a a full fledged uh, you know masterful project you know with with some help from amazing people so that's how
0: I got I I gotta say it's it's a really impressive piece of work and and I know there are a lot of voices in it which I also really wasn't expecting I mean I expected you and your dad of course. but, you know, I, I noticed that especially the book starts with a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different pieces that are by, uh, uh, you know, take different perspectives on you, your dad, the Mitchell family, um, your barbecue, and what that means, not just for the culinary world, but also the Black South, because you brought up, you know, how you and your dad are, are, you know, Black pit masters and how that is something that really, you know, has defined you in many ways. Um, and if you wouldn't mind, you know, explaining what made you decide that all of those perspectives were really important to you guys in the beginning of the book.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, the journey itself, um, you know, was filled with the support of, you know, a lot of different people. I mean, at its core, that's, that's kind of what barbecue really is, right. It's kind of, you know, the hands and the work of, um, you know, of, of a tribe, you know, uh, you know, feeding, feeding people, the hospitality that goes into uh, from the farmer to the, the guys that's manning the pit. Um, you know, there's so many different relationships that make barbecue what it is. Um, we didn't want to just, uh, you know, take the platform without, you, you know, recognizing and give some of the people who had as much to say as we did uh, an opportunity as well there's so few moments, quite honestly, that, uh, us as black authors, uh, get in this space. And so I didn't want to, you know, not use it to try and highlight as many, as many, you know, voices that I respected, um, at, at, you know, that I could, that I could really count on. So Zella as a co co-author, uh, Dr. Howard Conyers as well. Um, uh, Miss Lisa Henderson is a historian here in Wilson, North Carolina. She played a major part in a lot of the research that we were able to do, and just track track down some some things that you know were folklore. As far as my childhood was concerned, we were able to you know get some facts uh, around a lot of different things and a lot of different you know perspectives as relates to you know what my city means to the world of barbecue. So I wanted to make sure everybody had. You know, a say and and being in doing something that we could be proud of.
0: Well, one wh- one of the things you just brought up was uh, Wilson, North Carolina, and I got to say, in in a way, that was a voice as well. Uh, I felt like reading your book, Wilson, kind of came alive. Do you want to tell tell listeners a little bit about Wilson, and then then I'm going to want to take a step back and really have you talk about your dad for a bit, but, but I'd love to get in your own, you know, words, you know, Wilson. Yeah. Wilson, North Carolina. I mean, you know, that's my
1: hometown. That's our hometown. And we wanted to make sure that um, it did have a voice and, you know, specifically it had a voice that represented, you know, minority perspective on, you know, how we had to, um, you know, how how we lived here and and things that were important to us here. Uh, Barbecue was a huge, you know, economic factor. First is tobacco. You know, Wilson was one of the largest exporters of tobacco and or, um, you know, in the country for a large part of the, you know, the 1900s. And then we got into, you know, some of the the, uh, suburban areas, the outskirts of Wilson, you know, a lot of the major hog farms, begin to set up and take place uh in counties that are just you know maybe no more than 20 30 40 50 minutes from us um so it it has a was it has a very unique proximity to eastern north carolina like we're we're Mm. not necessarily um you know we're, we're an hour from wilmington so we have a connectivity to you know the the beaches and seafood and the ports you know um of, of, of early settlers and, and slavery from from that point in time and then we kind of you know are close enough to the middle of the state uh to where we can kind of have some access to the capital which is raleigh north carolina so um you know wilson had a very unique geographical perspective from the coast to the middle uh you know parts of north carolina and telling a story through through a lot of, we were on the Chitlin circuit for a very long time for some of major artists, you know, that came through here way back in the day, you know, Sam Cooke all the way down to, you know, all the blues singers and, you know, my neighborhood that I kind of grew up in was, uh, you know, we had uh, you know, a lot of the boarding houses and some of the Muddy Waters and, and all these blues guys that would come live in for, you know, portions of the day. Um, you know, it's just you know a very unique history and uh, and a place uh, that a lot of people don't know about.
0: And so, did a lot of these artists end up coming in and, and having some of you know your dad's legendary uh, whole hog. Bar- and, and, and did you get to hang out with them at an early age? Oh uh, no, no, I mean that that was before my time. Uh so okay, okay. Yeah, 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 that was before
1: we actually got into the we got into the business of commercial, you know, commercial side of restaurant business in uh in nineteen ninety one,
0: which is when my grandfather
1: passed away. But prior to that, um, you know, we ran my grandparents ran a little corner grocery store, uh which is just a neighborhood market for fresh meat tea. Candy and juices and sodas and everything for the kids in the community, and so. Um, but those early days, you know, the early history of uh, of Wilson um, has a, has a very unique connectivity to to barbecue and you know uh, blues blues culture, music culture.
0: Now, in the book, your father does talk about how he came to barbecue, how he came to it to make it his craft, you know, his profession and. Uh, you know it and it has a lot to do with that that corner store you mentioned if you don't mind telling that story Absolutely. um for listeners I'd really appreciate it
1: um again uh 1985 uh my grandparents retired from uh my grandfather retired from his uh state job at uh um, uh here in, here in Wilson North carolina he worked for the ABC store as a as a stocker and a supervisor, uh, along with, you know, right after, uh, he he left from being a sharecropper here during his childhood. My grandmother also, um, retired from her job as well. And they bought a little, their retirement was to then pursue, uh, a, a legacy opportunity for their family, which meant they bought a corner grocery store, uh, right across the street from my, from my neighborhood, that was up for sale um, and became one of the early, you know, black owned businesses uh, here in Wilson. And so they ran that as a husband and white team, you know, for about six or seven years until my grandfather fell ill. And, um, and so in that moment, you know, my grandmother's therapy and her gift, she is, uh, is, is took it. hospitality and, you know, um, you know, just that Southern, you know, spiritual value that she brought to the dinner table, and so upon his passing, you know, she just started making those meals that she would make at home. She started preparing them, you know, inside of the restaurant, and kind of, you know, her, her sons, my dad, you know, and, and you know, their friends would stop by, you know, at various times throughout the day and just kind of get something to eat, you know, and, and that was her way of grieving because that was her that was her normal process, you know, for my grandfather. And so, um, you know, during one of those sessions, you know, uh, her and my dad decided to just, you know, she needed his help to kind of just uh, uh, to get a pig, you know, down to the store and just kind of get them get going because that was going to be family family dinner. Uh, so, um, you know, they went uh, off to one of, the, uh, for one of the farmer's markets not far away and got a little small pig and put him on that morning. And carried on throughout their day and so at the end of the at the end of the day um you know we pig up and we started processing them and making a little family barbecue dinner and uh my dad my uncles and uh, myself I was a little guy back then and uh just some of the neighborhood guys just started coming and eating and we were just giving it giving food away it wasn't really it was, it was just something we were doing just out of a family dinner and you know lo and behold one of the one of the guys, one of my dad's friends that was there getting a sandwich walked down up into the neighborhood and it was so good to him, he just started telling everybody and they were like, hey man, the Mitchell's got some barbecue up there, boy, y'all better go check it out. Getting some good stuff, And we, you know. I, like, well, I put out
0: some money for that, That yeah. sounds it's Right, exactly.
1: right, right. And so he told the neighborhood guys and we had closed up, you know, at, at that time and so, you know, I guess it was about eight thirty. You know, we heard we heard a bang here at the door, like like somebody was trying to rap. You know, we had the bars on the on the front door, entrance to the to the grocery store, so just grabbing on the bars of the door and and you know the doors are locked, so you know we like thinking somebody's trying to break in or do something crazy. So you know, my dad goes up to the front, like, hey, what's going on? You know, blah blah. You uh, know, the guy was like, no, 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 Mr. Mitchell, we heard y'all got some barbecue. I was just trying to see if y'all had any left. And so he, I remember his face. He looked back, turned around, looked at my grandma like, look at this guy talking about some daggone barbecue. That was our family meal. You know, what is he talking about? And so my grandmother says, just tell them we'll have some more later. And uh, and so my dad was like, yeah, man. My dad yells through the door, you know, because it's like a plastic window you can see through. It's like, yeah, man, we don't got nothing, but we'll, we'll have some tomorrow, man. Come back tomorrow and see us." And the guy was like, all right, all right. He walks off to the neighborhood. And so the next day, you know, he, yeah, it was the beginner. The very next day we cooked another little small beef. And lo and behold, him and a few other guys came back. And so shelf by shelf, piece by piece, you know, one little piece of equipment by the other, we started converting what was our little grocery store into a little grill that kind of made, you know, some, some Southern favorites, you know. You know, hot dogs, hamburgers, barbecue. And then we started introducing sides, you know, collards and green beans and, you know, kind of dish by dish, day by day, we turned it into Mitchell's uh, barbecue. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's just one of those stories to where you never would believe it if you didn't see it because it wasn't, it was like literally, you know, we were facing you know foreclosures and estate problems and all types of things that were related to my grandfather's passing away and we were really just trying to look for a means by which to survive and kind of get some bills paid you know it wasn't it wasn't just uh oh we just really feel like doing this you know it's like well this is the skill set we have this is something that the people want so we're going to tap into some ancestral gifts here and just huddle up, you know, you know, huddle up guys. We're going to make some barbecue for the, for the community and sell it. Uh, well, I,
0: I love you know. the line we <laughs> had in the book about it, which was, I've been baptized in East, Eastern North Carolina whole hog barbecue since I was eight years old. <laughs> you know, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. No, I mean, so, I mean, the way you talk about it, it's, it's, you're, you know, you're rhapsodizing. There's no question, but. I also found it fascinating. You actually didn't go into the business initially. Initially you were in finance. I believe you were at Credit Suisse.
1: Yeah, I was at Credit Suisse, man, for uh eleven years. I was at commercial banking, uh commercial and investment banking. Um
0: well, where did that come from and, and how did you get back to Wilson? Or was well, it probably Durham? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. It was um,
1: you know, you know, growing up As a kid, you know, like I said, I've been seeing barbecue and and around food and the restaurant business and the work that goes into it since I was eight years old. So, you know, my dream was to be playing football and going off to college and, you know, going to school and doing some different things with my life because at that moment, through all those moments, you know, you know, you couldn't have told me that what we were doing for me was going to be changing the world, you know, like, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just cooking food, you know? And so, um, upon graduating high school, I, I, um, you know, I took a, you know, the route of playing football down at East Carolina university and I went on to pursue my degree. And I thought that was going to be my ticket, you know, away from, you know, what I thought was, you know, jobs and, and, and a point of life, a way of life that I just kind of wanted to outgrow. You know, uh, I was anxious to kind of get out to the world and see some different things and live in a different place and just kind of just, you know, grow my career and grow my my perspective on, you know, just life in general. So I was fortunate, I graduated with my degree in economics and I was, you know, I was fortunate to work out. I was fortunate enough to land a job. and banking industry. And uh, that's where I kind of, you know, home my, 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 my knowledge and craft really, you know, just being around a lot of really smart young minds and young people that were trying to pursue a different, you know, a a way of life that I hadn't, I hadn't been exposed to. So being able to travel to New York and I got back to, um, got back to Raleigh and got settled. And, you know, right around 2011, uh, the financial crisis happens and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, it's like, Hey, uh, you could take this severance package and take this layoff or you can go to Singapore. And I was like, she, you know, devastated, you know, uh, because- there's good
0: food in Singapore, but it's a little bit. <laughs> A little, yeah. yeah, a little bit far. Yeah, like, a little far, man. Like, look, I wanted to get away, but I didn't want to get away away, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're probably getting fine with a trip and going to the, the, the hawker stands and enjoying all that, but, you know. <laughs> that, that is it, you know? So um,
1: I got laid off and, you know, just, you know, sitting there in that moment of uh, just a realization, like, damn, you know, I pursued my degree. I've done everything I was supposed to do from an educational standpoint, and still someone can, you know, uh determine your livelihood, you know, in such a way to where you just, you know, get laid off, you know, and that was jarring for me to have to go through that. Uh knowing all I had to put into the office politics, you know, for young for, for, for young black Americans is a whole different type of connectivity that you have to have and get through those environments, man. So you know, at that moment, you know, I was you know, sitting down talking to my dad and we we uh you know, we were steady rising through the ranks of notoriety as far as him being known to be, you know, a master of his craft in the barbecue business. And I was still, you know, in the business, but I wasn't in the business full time. I would come home on the weekends and make sure things were okay and he was kinda you know, living in the 21st century and not writing stuff down on a piece of paper, you know, showing them how to use a computer and spreadsheets and things, space of that nature. And so, you know, the layoff really just gave me more time to do that for for us, uh, you know, more consistently. And then we just decided to just make a run for it, you know. And so, uh, you know, being back home, it was, it was, I mean, well, being back in the family business, I still was living in Raleigh. But that gave me an opportunity to really, you know, defy my passion, and which was, you know, pursuing a family business and, and hospitality and, and all the things that come along with trying to be successful in this business.
0: And what do you think? You know, your background. I mean, obviously, you traveled the world, you know, and and your expertise in finance. I mean, what do you really think that that brought to the business? besides obviously no longer just writing stuff down on in in pencil or, or pen and and having a computer because trust me, I deal with my mom on that stuff too right, right.
1: you know it, it gave me um, it did give me a unique perspective on you know some in, in the way in which we were going to create our brand and kind of build a business um was gonna was unique right we We're gonna have to be a little bit different but more than anything, what it really did was paired me. Uh, it, it gave my dad and my family uh, the presentation that, hey, we are making strides here, and the next generation, next generation of our business and our family is taking, uh, you know, some ownership into learning what the next, you know, level looks like. So, our presentation as a family was no more you know, just my dad sitting there in some overalls, uh, you know, being perceived to not be this smart guy. It was, Hey, you know, these guys are a unit, you know, and they have, uh, each level covered, you know, they have the experience, uh, they have the, the, the wisdom. And then they have, you know, you know, a younger mind and a younger, you know, you know, leg man here to kind of, uh, you know, to carry things forward. And so that became, that became attractive. We, we got into a lot of different rooms, you know, uh, being a family unit that was, uh, that was able to kind of understand, you know, the whole gamut of business versus, you know, someone looking at us, like even, even myself solo, you know, like I couldn't do it without them because it was like, Oh, you just a smart dude. You don't got the experience. And my dad on the other, it was like, Oh, you got the experience, but you don't, you know, understand, you know, the banking system and, and the responsibility to go into that. So we we you know it gave us that 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 unit, you know, more than anything.
0: Yeah, you can't walk yeah. out the unit weather. Absolutely. Next place.
1: That, absolutely
0: now, um one of those next places, which uh I'm gonna ask you to now get into a lot of food talk with me. Um sauce and rubs. I know you still both of them, but can you talk a bit about differences because they're different regional differences but also what they're used for in barbecue um because not all my listeners probably have had you know real authentic east you know east north carolina whole hog barbecue or 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 any type of barbecue for that matter i'm hoping many of them have but you know yeah definitely i mean
1: listen here in the carolinas that we're uh, north carolina specifically we are partial to you know, Eastern North Carolina barbecue sauce, which is a vinegar-based barbecue sauce. Okay, so vinegar, vinegar, crushed red pepper, um, a little salt, a little pepper, uh, a little bit of paprika. Um, you know, vinegar has a different uh, connectivity for us here in the in the Carolinas than anywhere else. So we always start with a vinegar-based barbecue. And- I love it. It's it's mouth puckering. I really enjoy it. A- yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, and it's used. You know, uh, you know, we specialize in the, the this part of the South, this part of the Carolinas, you know, We specialize in the whole hog. What people don't understand is the vinegar. The origin of the use of vinegar was allowing, you know, the, the affinity in the vinegar was also for flavor, but it was also a way to break down the larger portions of meat as it cooked and as we chopped it and as you process it. Right, so it, it was also. of a secret ingredient to tenderize and almost sterilize the meat at the same time it was good for killing bacteria uh and as you had those larger pieces of meat kind of laying out and laying around you know the acidity was really good both preserving the food right so now as you migrate up the coast a little bit you notice the the portions of the animal get smaller so now they're cooking shoulders or hams or just the loins and now you start to get into a tomato based uh style of sauce and the flavor because you don't need as much vinegar you need a little bit but you don't need as much and so now tomato based barbecue sauce kind of comes into play as you get up towards uh lexington and then you get down to south carolina they use a mustard based uh flavor there and that those origins come from the mustard seed uh uh, the, uh the, the 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 other seeds that were relevant there from the uh uh the uh dichi Gullah culture there in south carolina used fenis seeds and and mustard seeds and turned those into sauces and serums and that yellow paste became uh, a condiment you know in south carolina so as you travel the regions Everybody kinda has a different story on why they like the type of sauce that they use. Uh Texas has a little bit bolder, you know, brothier flavor. They use a bit a little bit of beef beef broth and tomato paste and uh, a little bit bolder spices, uh, a lot more pepper. The brisket requires, you know, a lot more pepper, uh to really to really um, you know, get that nice bark on their barbecue. So they use a lot of you know,
0: heavier bones. I'm, 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 I'm going to turn to you and ask you about brisket since you brought yeah. it up. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because you got <laughs> you all about backyard brisket in the book, and, <laughs> right? And you say it's an important cut. You know, it's an important, but you called it the most scrutinized and sport-friendly piece of meat. Um, and and uh, I'm just curious, what, what does that mean, sport-friendly?
1: It means that. So listen, first of all, Texas does the most amazing job out of all the out of all the barbecue centric uh places in the US, Texas outmarkets everyone because they have used the cow, the cattle, and particularly the brisket as a means of inviting backyard heroes to compete and to participate in what our you know, sport competition barbecue and so the brisket is one of the most difficult pieces of meat to kind of conquer uh amongst uh the the championship realm or the the competition side of barbecue so but here in the carolinas you know we didn't use bar- we didn't use the brisket as um uh as, as a competition piece of meat you know we cooked it eat and it was a lot of times it was ugly you know it came out very good but it wasn't like the most visually appealing thing you ever saw and so you know as you get up around texas and you get up to these other areas you know the brisket is a huge a huge you know notch on your belt amongst the competition circuit how a lot of guys really get into the game uh the smoke ray and the appearance and the right amount of oxidation and the injections that go into getting the brisket you know uh a, a the perfect visual test as well as how it tastes there's a lot that goes into mastering the brisket and so yeah,
0: it sounds like it's all and, and science
1: it's all in science as well and so but it's it, it's uh it's brilliant you know what i mean because everybody in the world uh, everybody in the you know around the country they talk about brisket, 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 and, they, and, and it dominates the conversation, you know, in a barbecue because it's like the piece of meat that you have to master in order to be considered, you know, a, a champion yeah, of, the yeah. One of the best, you know? And so, but um, well, around here, you know, we cooked it just to tear it up and make sandwiches out of it. We didn't cook it to be scrutinized
0: visually by a judge got, it. So, got well, it that's what i mean well uh, i you know speaking of something being uh scrutinized by a judge there was a, a, a recipe in the book that um was a shocker that i can't imagine is ever um part of of uh any kind of sport um which is most oh, tofu burnt ends <laughs> I just, it was, I, I, my jaw dropped. I mean, yeah. uh, what the? <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Listen, it, it's a thing, man. And I tried to figure out how I was going to give that nod to my uh, vegetarian barbecue crowd. And that's, and that's uh, that, you know, it, it was one of the best selling items on our menu and, you know, we take the brisk we take the tofu and we kind of chop it up like a piece of pork belly or burn in off of a brisket, smother it, season sauce, and we smoke it on the put it on the grill and smoke it. And, you know, and, and it turns into like one of the best it turns it turned into a bestseller by, you know, our, our quote unquote vegan barbecue crowd. You know, I try to show them a-, a little bit of love here in this book. I didn't I didn't go as far as doing the jackfruit barbecue which was wow uh, 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 highly, uh, highly requested uh, item that I put it too, but I said nah I can't go that far I could sell it to you but I you know I will let I'll let somebody else tell the world about the Jackson
0: yeah well uh I mean I I was I was definitely uh surprised by Kofu Burnett's, but now now I'm realizing you might have won an award for it if not several um at the very least, the hearts of, of, of many vegans. <laughs> anyway, they they they
1: are, you know, got to embrace them. I mean, if you don't agree with everything. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, if we're going to go just strictly vegetarian as opposed to vegan, you have a lot of other things in the book for them. I mean, one of them, and I know you say this is one of your favorite things to eat is deviled eggs. And they're my kryptonite in terms of making them. It's only recently. And I love cooking. I'm an avid cook only recently that i have gotten to the point where i'm able to um boil eggs you know hard boil them and get the 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 um the shell off really the sure. shell off without tearing the without tearing up yeah. the, the casing yes
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm drowning water
1: Ra- racing cold water
0: okay you know yeah that's go. that's it i put them in ice water now yeah ice water there you go there you yeah yeah. So I'm, I'm I mean, do you ever do variations on your deviled eggs? Cause I also went somewhere recently where they did they actually smoked mussels and put a smoked muscle on top. Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. We do um um the, the 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 fan favorite
1: is the uh like the pork belly deviled eggs. So we do like the oh. cuts of pork belly and put those on the deviled eggs. Here recently we're gonna do um will feature the crackling uh the crackling crusted deviled eggs at uh Innigant and in Charleston. Which we take you
0: the say oil- crusted yeah. deviled eggs.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We take the devil eggs and we top it with smoked pieces of crackling. Like like really, really the best piece of the crackling, like as a as an accoutrement as a as an ornament on there. The best
0: piece oh. of the crackling <laughs> I and mean, if the entire crackling isn't the best
1: Mm. <laughs> so, uh, we go for the pieces that hit and they still have a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of fat on. we haven't dropped those in the deep fryer yet so they have a little bit of uh, oh. a, a barbecue still kind of attached to it just a little bit of grease a little bit of fat on it um, where do I
0: go to get that now <laughs> oh my
1: god <laughs> well, that's, my, that's my favorite baby by the I love the over there but I, I just like putting. Different stuff. On. I was like putting. You,
0: you like it. using them as as like, a date as a data Is that
1: out. right? Is that? I like using them as a little mini plate. You know, for like
0: yeah. Yeah. No, I know. That's brilliant. I think that's brilliant. Stuff. How many different things can we serve on a devil bag? Oh,
1: exactly. That, that's my favorite part about a devil. Egg. Uh, <laughs>
0: oh my god, that sounds so good. <laughs> I mean, another another thing you add in there which could be for the vegetarian crowd, was, was potato salad, which is classic. Um, you know, and I've certainly seen people put, you know, bacon in 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 uh, potato salads, making it, you know, non-eligible for the vegetarians and vegans. But um, it, in the, the head note in that recipe, you started talking about the food and hospitality that went into post-church gatherings. Yes. And yeah. I was hoping you could talk a bit about the connection between food and barbecue and hospitality and, and the church. Yeah,
1: Look. for sure. You know, it was, um, you know, like my, like my grandmother used to say, it's like, you know, it's not a competition, but it is a, it is not, a, it is a competition. It's not, a, You know, it's a competition for your, for your, for your, for your soul and for, you know, for you to be just, you know, engulfed in the love that hey, Miss Miss such and such made the best, you know, piece of cake or the best fried chicken or whatever. Uh, but it's it's all spirited, spirited fun, man. When the elders, you know, those elders uh, in our church took so much, um, you know, they took so much time and energy to prepare food after church, you know, and and go into it was a part of, you know, keeping. uh, the families together, you know, after church, it was a part of, you know, barbecue was a huge part of just the the continual spiritual experience that you get from food and hospitality. So we're going to serve your soul and we're going to serve your belly. You know, we're just going to captivate you all in one, you know, and make you want to come back next Sunday, you know? And, uh, and it was also a way to, you know, Hey, it, it, it was an economic, portion what there as well, you know, the building fund always starts with, you know, a couple of uh the ladies in the church selling something, selling cakes and barbecue. The pig pickings were used, you know, selling plates, you know, to kind of uh help fund different things, you know, around the community, especially at the church. Um, you know, the pig has so many different aspects of community, you know, and so um, you know, the potato salad was just one of those, you know, memorable dishes that not everybody was allowed to make, you know, at church, you know, so only a few of the, the elder mothers were allowed to make the potato salad and the fried chicken, and you know, certain, certain other, the collard grains and the mustard grains, you know, there was so much. Honestly, the the
0: breadsticks,
1: the breadsticks, the breadsticks. Yeah, only so, the best of the and You got chosen, you know, uh-huh. to be in charge of, you know, any of those side dishes, you know, you know, you know that was the eldest of the mother who took it, who took it very seriously. You know, It was, you know, it, it's so amazing, you know, because they took it, you know, it, it it was the nourishment for them, you know, like they looked at cooking food and feeding you as as, uh, as a crown of nourishment, you know, it's like they didn't, you know, it wasn't It wasn't anything other than i want you to know that you know i care enough about you to make to give you my very best effort you know and get food that i'm preparing for you and uh that that meant a lot you know you know we're trying to you know keep people involved and and, and keep keep their spiritual lives moving you know um in the right direction you know uh, you know the food and food and black
0: church culture went hand in hand, uh, when I was growing up. Well, besides the pig picking, you also talk, uh, in the book about, you know, the traditional fish fry. And I was surprised you went beyond barbecue in this book. There's no question. You, you, I mean, you've got shrimp and grits in there. You know, what, what made you decide that you need to include fish and seafood in this cookbook? Um, because,
1: uh, again, you know, Wilson is, um, first of all, before we got into the bar, you know, the barbecue side of our business, you know, um, the, the, you know, one of the number one ways by which we bonded as, uh, as father, son, and or grandson and grandchildren, uncles and nephews in our family was to go fishing. So fishing was, you know, some communities have hunting, some, you know, other, other different forms where fishing was our was our outdoor, you know, activity as men in our family. So, you know, Wilmington um, played a huge role, you know, Wilmington and and certain parts of Virginia. We would travel to almost two Saturdays out of the month and get to my grandfather's favorite fishing hole. We would just fish all day and hang out. I mean, it was the best time for me as a kid growing up, you know, having to be able to explore those areas, be around, you know, guys you know just seeing the joy they got of filling up their coolers with fish and we we'll get them back home that evening and my grandmother and my great you know clean them and and that was just you know the sunday after church fish fry was the thing you know and it was all based on how well the men folk did on saturday you know what what type of cool, what what type of coolers they brought back you know and so Full
0: oh, cooler come, a really yeah. good Sunday. a <laughs> yeah, full cooler, they come back with
1: their chest out, you know, like, you know, like they had just stayed the whole neighborhood. It's full of cool, uh, no, cooler, cool, of fish. uh So I had to include seafood because, you know, um, again, you know, uh, the, the waterways through Wilson and through Eastern North Carolina are, um, are were, were a huge part of our survival, you know. And, and be and making it special here well
0: another uh two other chapters in the book actually have absolutely nothing to do with barbecue but have to do with the experience of having a barbecue one being dessert and one being drinks but i'm just curious because those desserts i'm sorry the pictures were incredibly mouthwatering. they just oh my god i wanted to leap into the pages it, you have a, a favorite among them Um, I'm gonna have to go with my grandmother's
1: eyeball carrot
0: cake Um,
1: Carrot cake was my favorite dish uh, growing up Um, Because my grandmother really kind of Tailored it to me. I didn't like the little pieces. I I didn't like stringy carrots You know like pieces of carrots in the cake so she would grade them and, and grind them up. So so finely. Uh, to where I didn't I didn't even notice, you know, but it was my favorite flavor in, in the cakes that she made. So the oddball carrot cake um, Is my favorite dessert because again, if you go back to the discussion we had about the the connectivity to the church uh, and the, in, in food culture um, We called it oddball carrot cake because the way in which my grandmother you know, let the pastors and the other VIPs in the church know that that was hers. Was she would sneak in yellow, uh, yellow food color. And so the cake has a yellow icing. So it was the only, it was the only carrot cake in the church with yellow icing, and that's how you knew it was, you know, Mother Mitchell's. You knew it was hers. That was her little tag on her, on her desserts. You know, also uh, <laughs> that was just a memorable moment. Uh, Zella did an amazing
0: job just
1: kind of getting those stories out of her on a little, little secrets that she did.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier about pig pickings as part of the church experience, and one of the things in the book is you actually include a playlist for a pig pickin, and I'm assuming some of those stars, I mean, I saw Lou Rawls on there. I mean, I'm guessing some of these folks had been to Wilson at one point in time and and you know you know how did that playlist come about and also i want to know is it available on spotify it is available
1: on spotify absolutely Uh, so we, we got that done we got it done on spotify and um itunes as well um but the playlist came about um you know my father my father's memories um and my uncle's memories of um Of just when they started to learn how to cook barbecue off the, you know, before we got into the restaurant or whatever, it was it was at these settings where um, my my uncles, my great uncles, were guitar players, and they would bring out the guitars and the blues music would be playing deep out in the woods somewhere, and that's where (laughs) that's where the you know they always knew where they were if they didn't see the smoke, they could hear the guitar playing out there in the woods. So, um, you know, the jazz blues, musical, musical element was always a factor in kind of, uh, you know, just enjoying a barbecue, you know, when we, how we grew up and then, you know, then came the radio play and my uncles would always have the radio going outside at click out, uh, while they were on the grill, mastering their craft, uh, and so you know, it just became you know, Zella, Zella put the playlist together, and it was it was really her 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 idea, her 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 uh, ingenuity to really just get everyone's kind of favorite songs, and you know, that's that that New Orleans you know flair to her uh, to to add uh, you know the playlist to the book, and I thought it was just it was a no brainer when she came up with the idea so
0: it, it, it's delightful uh, i mean you know i uh, trust me when i say i will be downloading that playlist because i started looking at, at the names and i'm like oh some of these i don't even know <laughs> yeah, just, i mean we, we, took,
1: we combed through it i mean we, we, we dug in the crates for that thing
0: and so uh <laughs> yeah it's great it's great um i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you about your dad and anthony bourdain and the feature in the New York Times and then being basically the star of the Big Apple barbecue block party. I mean, you know, I, I know that's a lot to talk about in, in, in a brief moment in time, but like I would assume that that those three, if not a, a few other, you know, elements uh, in your dad's life really sort of changed, you know, his his, you know, direction and, and, and put him in the spotlight in a way that he hadn't been before. And I'm I'm curious about what that did for you, your father, Southern Barbecue, but but also other black pit masters.
1: Yeah, I mean it totally changed the trajectory of uh of how we approached the business. I mean, we it, it went from being, you know, just this crazy idea of um you know of a, a of we're just cooking barbecue in the south and nobody cares to Antonio Bargain walking in. And saying, you know, I'm here because of you. I'm here because, you know, you were one of the few pit mashes that I could find where the name on the marquee was also the name of the man that was in the pits. Meaning that he had, you know, when he was putting together the show and, and going through some things that he wanted to do with production of his, of uh, you yeah. know, the type of creation that he went, he was finding that most of the black establishment, or most of the establishments around the South, you know, were owned and operated by one culture, but the culture that was in the pit was, was of a completely different, different. Right. And so, you know, he, we, we, we gained his attention by, you know, he was curious, you know, on the fight that went on and why was it, you know, why wasn't this more of a prevalent game? And for me it was a game changer, again, you know, along with New York, but it was also the first time someone, you know, of of this caliber kind of like knowing it what that you know what we were doing was special. You also have to keep in mind that this was, you know, this was, you know, Food Network was in its uh, uh you know, in its early days, in its early phases. And so, you know, black culture, black food culture on TV like that was not, you know, it hadn't really hit quite yet. And so he gave us an opportunity to be on TV. But what he also did was open the door to where, okay, all of these shows and all of these things were going to be right through the South and, and getting, all of, getting all of our culture on TV. And sooner or later, we're going to need to be figuring out how, you know, to be in front of you know, our narrative, you know, and we're gonna to have to be figuring out how to, you know, to all uh, we, we're influencing millions and millions of people, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh the production team, a lot of times the you know, the economic side of it is totally skewed up you know, in the opposite direction, you know. So uh New York did that for us. Uh Antonio Bourdain did that for us as well because um you know, we didn't, we weren't used to, you know, the cameras, you know, being, being around, being interested in what it was we were doing. Um, you know, it was kind of like, um, you know, those old guys, you know, if you go to some of those old, old restaurants in the South, I mean, those guys didn't want to be on camera. They weren't the guy, those, those old pit masters, black guys, they didn't, they didn't want to be seen. They just wanted to cook and go home. They didn't want it anything to do with any type of PR, um, and you know, a lot of the stories, you know, you know, remain silent. A lot of the voices remain silent as well. So, um, but New York and the stage, the platform of, of these shows, you know, it's time, it's time for us to kind of black pit, pit masters in general, you know, you know, the influence that we are having amongst the culture, you know, if we don't take ownership of it, you know, somebody else will, and they don't, they don't say they did. So, um, you know, just open the doors to actually be proud of it. I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's what those opportunities did for us is open the door for us to realize that we were doing something that was uh, to be proud of because, you know, it didn't. The origin of it was not from a place, uh, you know, (laughs) you know, the plantation was not a place where you like, uh, you know, specify. Oh, this is a great job title that I want to do. You know what I mean? So, like, being able to grow past that into saying, nah, this is something that I, you know, that I'm going to cherish, it took a lot of work. took a lot, you
0: know, you had to step up. And and now that you're at that place, what do you really see as the future for barbecue? I mean, for you and your dad, but also for it as, you know, part of the Southern food way and, and part of black culture. And, uh, what's next? I think,
1: um, you know, the future of barbecue, I think is in a good space. I mean, I just think that we're probably going to see, you know, we're going to see a, uh, a Renaissance almost of the backyard barbecue kind of coming to, coming to light. And it's going to give the opportunity for a lot of black pitmasters to kind of you know, showcase their craft as much, uh, more, more than they have, because, um, you know, it won't just be dominated to who owns a restaurant, you know? So, uh, because a lot of times that is where we kind of, a lot of the guys go unknown because they don't own places, you know? And so the business side of being a barbecue versus, uh, your your skill and your craft and your passion for just actually cooking really great barbecue are uh, uh, two different two different places. So um, you know the future's bright for barbecue. I think um, wow. I'm glad to see a lot of of younger younger guys and the next generation kind of finding their finding their place and having a passion about um, you know the hospitality and the work that goes into uh, you know creating good barbecue and feeding, feeding people. Um, so, you know, I think it's in a, I think it's positioned for, you know, a lot more, uh, inclusive, um, you know, platforms than what it, what it ever used to be.
0: Well, and I think this book is going to help inspire that as well. I mean, you know, a whole new generation, hopefully. I mean, y- you actually provide details in the book about e- going into, such, you know, geeky details as like how to, to, you know, engineer the perfect fire. Um, it's, it's a really fantastic book on several levels in terms of, of what it provides in terms of history, what it provides in terms of recipe and inspiration. And, um, I can't thank you enough for, for joining me, Ryan, and, uh, taking the time out of the day to talk a bit about your journey, your dad's journey. And, uh, The book is Ed Mitchell's Barbecue. It's coming out on June 6th. You can pre-order if you're listening to this before then. Otherwise, just order. Thanks, Ryan. Really appreciate you joining today. Thank you so much.